Let's take our Bibles together this morning and turn to the book of John, chapter 15. John, chapter 15, once again. We are looking at this illustration that Jesus gave here in John, chapter 15, about the vine and the branches. And the central command of this passage is when Jesus says, Abide in me. Abide in me. That's the command. To remain in, to dwell in, to stay in close, constant connection to the Lord Jesus Christ. It speaks of our ongoing fellowship with Him and our relationship with Him. And of course, the relationship of the branch to the vine is a vital one. The branch cannot survive without the vine. And you and I cannot survive without the Lord Jesus Christ either. I mean that in a literal sense, that without Him, we would cease to exist. We would die. We owe every breath that we breathe, every beat of our heart, to the grace of God. You understand that when you opened your eyes this morning, that was a gift from God. And when Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing, He's emphasizing to you and to me our total and complete dependence on the Lord Jesus Christ. I was thinking about that word dependence this week. It's tax season, getting there, you know. And, uh, and so when you fill out your taxes, if you have children, they're listed on your taxes as dependents. What does that mean? Well, that means they eat all your food, and they leave your lights on, and they make messes, and they scratch up the walls. And you know, it just means that you take care of them. They depend on you for so many things. Are you living as a dependent on the Lord Jesus Christ today? Are you consciously aware of how much you really need Him? And so are you walking with Him daily? Are you in close fellowship with Him? Lord willing, we're going to see weeks ahead exactly what that means, what that looks like in a practical way to express our dependence on Christ. But for now, are you even conscious of it? Do you even think about it? Well, in John chapter 15 and verse number 6, Jesus says this about the one who is not abiding in him. He says, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. I want to preach to you this morning on the barren branches. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that this message would be a warning to each of us not to waste the life that you've given us by living selfish, independent lives. Lord, you are so gracious. And you work with us to bring us back to where we should be when we wander away and when we stray. But I pray that your grace would never be an excuse for our sin. Lord, that our lives would honor you by bearing much fruit. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Back in verse number 2, Jesus said, that God the Father, the divine husbandman, would take away 
the unfruitful branches from the vine. The fruitful branches, he would prune, he would trim them, but the unfruitful ones, he would take them away. And an unfruitful branch is a Christian who is not living as a dependent on the Lord Jesus Christ, who's not walking in consistent and close fellowship, and so their life is not filled with the produce that God wants to produce in them. Even as we saw in previous verses that Christ when His life is flowing through us as it should, it will naturally result in certain fruits. Fruits of the Spirit, the fruits of souls, the fruits of service to God. These are all things that God does in our lives and works through us to produce these things. But when we are not abiding in Him, when we are not maintaining that close fellowship with Him, when we have drifted, when we have backslidden, then we are no longer living as a fruitful branch because the life of Christ is being hindered by our sinful choices. And Jesus is warning in this verse of what will happen to a barren branch. Notice again what He says. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Now let me say from the from the onset here, Jesus is not warning about losing your salvation. Do not misunderstand the illustration. But I want you to be very clear about that, that this verse does not teach that you can lose your salvation as if if you didn't perform to a certain level that Jesus Christ would cast you into hell like a dead branch and you would burn up forever. That's not what he's saying. Eternal life is just that. It's eternal. It lasts forever. And Jesus said that those that he gives eternal life to will never perish. So if you're saved today, everything that I say, understand that it should not be misconstrued as if I were saying you could lose your salvation. Your salvation is secure. But what you do for God with your life after salvation is still up in the air. It's still dependent on the choices that you make. And if you make the wrong choices, if you make sinful and selfish choices and live an unfruitful life, well, then the result is going to be your life will have been wasted instead of a life that was productive for the glory of God. These verses are a warning to every Christian that we must choose to abide in Christ. And if we don't, our life will dry up and we will become withered and we will become fragile. And the longer you refuse to abide in Christ, the more of your life you're wasting. Don't be a barren branch. Abide in Christ and He and His life will flow through you into fruitfulness. Number one. Notice with me, three. we're going to look at three dangers from this verse as a way of kind of outlining the truth. First of all, I want us to see the danger of wandering. The danger of wandering. Jesus says, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch. Now, there is an important assumption that we need to make sure we're on the same page here as we go into this verse. And that is, we are talking about branches that are attached to the vine but are unfruitful. Okay, why is that significant? Because it's talking about people who have been saved, who have trusted Christ as their Savior and thus they have been attached to the vine. They have 
place their faith in him so that they can say with the Apostle Paul, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life of the vine is in them. There's no doubt about that. They could not be cast off if they weren't first attached. Now we'll get to the meaning of that illustration in just a moment. But understand that Jesus is directing his words to those who have placed their faith in him. The life of the vine is in them, but that life is not flowing freely and it's not producing the fruit that it should. So this verse is a warning not to the unbelievers, not to the unsaved. This verse is a warning to the unfruitful Christian. Turn over to Luke chapter 8 for a moment. Keep your finger in John 15 if you would. Let me remind you this, the parable that Jesus told of the seed and the soil. In that parable, there were four different kinds of soil. There was the wayside, there was the stony ground, there was the thorny or the weedy ground, and then finally there was the good ground. Same seed, different soil, and a different result in each case. When we look at the thorny ground... Look at verse 14. Jesus explains to us what that pictures. And that which fell among thorns are they which when they've heard the word go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. Bring no fruit to perfection. There are many Christians, and they are indeed Christians. They have accepted Christ as their Savior. They received the word of the gospel, but they are allowing themselves to be choked by the cares of this world, by pleasures, by money, by people-pleasing, by their own pride and selfishness. And the result is they're not bringing forth fruit. That's who Jesus is talking about here. Just as a branch naturally grows when it abides in the vine, it is natural for a Christian to grow as they walk in close fellowship with Christ. That is the natural thing to happen. So you think about this illustration in nature. A branch on a tree. How long will that branch continue to grow? As long as it's attached to the tree. Unless someone comes along and cuts it, unless there's some kind of a disease that, that, uh, that kills it, it's going to continue to grow. And the same is true for you as a Christian. As long as you're abiding in Christ, you will naturally be growing and naturally be bringing forth fruit. More and more and more, the longer you grow, the longer you abide in Christ. Now, If that branch is not growing, then we know there's a problem. If that branch is not bringing forth fruit, then we know that something has happened to keep the life of the vine or the life of the tree or whatever the plant is from flowing through that branch properly. Maybe it's a disease that has gotten into that plant. Or maybe there's been some kind of a physical damage that has cut off the flow of life, but something is obviously wrong. Now, I emphasize this point this morning 
Because it is easy for us to accept as normal the unfruitful Christian life. Here's why. We define normal as what we see the most. Don't we? Isn't that what we normally think? Well, I see this happening most of the time, so that must be normal. But understand that we live in a world that is cursed by sin. And sin has touched every aspect of it. So that when you look at the world today, you are seeing something not as God designed it to be, but something that has been tainted by sin. And as Christians, we are not free from this. We still have to struggle against sin. But we have this temptation to look around and we see what's going on in other Christians' lives. We look in our life and we look back and we see, okay, what has happened the majority of the time? And we define normal based on our experience. But God defines for us what normal actually is. It is normal for a Christian to be growing and to be living a fruitful life. And if a Christian is not growing, is not living a fruitful life, something is wrong. What is wrong? To put it plainly, they're not abiding in Christ. They have wandered from the Lord. Instead of cooperating with God's work in their life, they are living in independence, which is rebellion. And if that's how we are living, then these fruits will be lacking in our life. 2 Peter 1 says, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, that they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If these are in you, then you will be fruitful. If you're growing as you should, then this will be the result. It will be a fruitful life. But... Verse 9 says, if you lack these things, he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he hath been purged from his old sins. It can even get to the point as a Christian that you have lived an unfruitful life for so long that you have forgotten who you really are. In 2 Peter, Peter makes it clear that he's talking to believers, those that have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But he says in verse number 9, if you're living an unfruitful life, you are spiritually nearsighted and you have forgotten that you have been redeemed. You have forgotten that you have been purged from those old sins. I heard one recently, one, one uh, preacher put it this way, you have identity amnesia. You've forgotten who you are. You are a branch of the vine and therefore you are supposed to be producing the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of souls and the fruit of service and all of these things that God is supposed to be doing in your life. But you've forgotten that because you've lived so long as a wandering branch doing your own thing, not depending on Christ, but living life how you want to live. You've wandered so far from Christ that you've forgotten who you are in Him. Don't accept an unfruitful life as normal. It's not. Now in terms of your standing with God and your eternal salvation, understand you are secure because He is the one that is able to keep us from falling. You say, well, how can, how, how can that be? 
How can we be warned so strongly in this way, but also know that, that our salvation is secure? I'll tell you why. The grace of God. That's the only thing that keeps any of us saved. The grace of God. It's not my performance. It's not your good works. It's God's grace that saves us and keeps us saved. You cannot unsave yourself any more than you could save yourself in the first place. As Paul wrote, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. You can't do it. You are loved by God eternally. As a child of God, your eternal destiny is secure. So in terms of your standing with God, you're His. But in terms of your fellowship with God, you can create separation between you and God. And by that I mean you can, you can distance yourself in terms of fellowship where there's not that closeness of relationship. And know this, you are the only person who can put distance between you and God. Your spouse cannot put distance between you and God. Your parents or your children, they can't put distance between you and God. The meanest person on this planet who's trying to ruin your life cannot put distance between you and God. You are the only person who can do that. And it happens when you choose to live independently instead of abiding in Christ. On the other hand, you can choose to draw nigh to Him in an abiding relationship. No one can force themselves between you and God. No one can pull you away. I love the imagery Jesus uses in John chapter 10. He says that we are, we are in His hand and then He's in the Father saying, you have to go through two layers of Almighty God before anybody could ever get to you. But are you walking in close fellowship with Him? If you choose to live independently of Christ, you have wandered from Him and you will be a barren branch. There's the danger of wandering. Number two, let's notice the danger of withering. The danger of withering. Jesus said that the branch that doesn't abide in Him is cast forth as a branch and is withered. Now just for context here, who does the casting? Go back to verse number 2. It is God the Father, the husbandman, who prunes and purges the vine and the branches. What is Jesus trying to warn us of here? That God's people can persist only so long in their stubbornness and rebellion before God fully gives them over to the consequences of their sin. You know, we, we think about how that God in Romans chapter 1 gave over the ungodly to their wicked imaginations. Did you know that a Christian can persist so long in their rebellion and in their sinfulness that God in His mercy and His love will just like the husband who, who casts away a branch and lets it wither will say, I'm going to have to let you wither so that you feel the full force of the sinful choices that you are making. Romans warns us, Hebrews warns us, Hebrews 12, 11, Now no chastening for the present seemeth joyous, but grievous. Well, then why does God do it? Why does God chasten us? Why does God scourge us? That doesn't sound very nice, does it? 
But why, so why, if God is a God of love, why would he do that? Listen to what Hebrews 12, 11 says. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. When God gives a Christian over to their stubbornness and rebellion so that they feel the force of the consequences of their sin, that's a form of God's chastening and God's scourging. And God does that because we are sons and because He does love us and He wants us to come back to the place of living in righteousness. This is not talking about a break of relationship. This is not God divorcing us or anything like that. Because the emphasis here is on the result of the separation. Notice again, John 15, 6, is cast away as a branch and is withered. It is withered. The choice to wander from God results in withering. Psalm 1 uses the imagery of chaff to describe a spiritual life apart from God. What is chaff? Well, you know, when they harvest wheat, you have the kernels of wheat, but they're inside a very lightweight husk. And so once that wheat has dried out, they thresh that wheat and and they separate the, the good wheat from the chaff. And the chaff is just lightweight, dry, and blows away in the wind. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. You know what that is? That's withering right there. It's a dryness, a lightness, a fragileness, a uselessness of life. Jeremiah 17 uses a dried up desert bush to describe someone living independent of God. He said they'll be like the heath in the desert, like a dried up bush that's just not really good for anything. There's not going to be any fruit on it. There's not even leaves on it to give you shade. It's just dried up and withering. That's the life without Christ. And when something withers, what happens to it? It becomes dry and brittle. And I like this word, fragile. Do you want to know how spiritually healthy you are? Here's a good test. How fragile are you? And I'm not talking about in terms of physical strength. I had a good reminder in Sunday, adult Sunday school this morning about how life is given to us but from God, but that life is frail. I was thinking about that illustration of, of, of David who wrote that psalm. You know, we think of David, he's the mighty warrior, right? He's that young man chasing the giant, or throw, throwing the rock at the giant, you know, and we think, wow, powerful guy. He's the guy going up against the Philistines and, you know, slaying so many hundreds of them, and ten thousands of them were slain as he led his soldiers into battle. We think of the, the powerful King David. But you know, there came a point late in David's life where he went into battle for the last time. He went into battle and he was nearly killed. His men had to come in and rescue him. You know why? Because he got old. That's it. That's, that's what happened. And as hard as it was for him, he had, to come to, he had to come to grips with the fact, I'm not 30 anymore. I can't do what I used to do. I may have been once a powerful warrior, but I'm not anymore. I'm frail. I'm fragile. Now, I'm not talking about physical strength, though, this morning. How fragile are you spiritually? When you face a temptation and you feel the pressure of that, Are you able to bear the pressure and the grace of God or do you break and give in to the temptation? That's being spiritually fragile. 
When you are going through a trial and circumstances that are beyond your control and beyond your understanding, can you bear up under the weight of that by the grace of God or do you break? And does your whole world come crashing down around you? And are you now doubting the goodness of God? And where is your faith? And are you now in oh, just turmoil of spirit? You see, a plant that is healthy can bend with the pressure without breaking. It's the dead branch that when the wind blows comes crashing down out of the tree because it couldn't hang on. That's what happens when we don't abide in Christ. We become fragile. We wither or dry and we don't have any spiritual strength. God wants us to be strong and healthy because there are going to be storms in your life. Using a, a different illustration, but really teaching the same truth. Jesus said in Matthew 7, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house. You're going to go through times of life that that's exactly what you're going to feel like. The rain is coming, the floods are coming, the winds are blowing, and your house is just being pummeled. But Jesus said, if you hear my sayings and do them, you'll be like the man who built his house on the rock. And when all of that happened, it fell not. For it was founded on a rock. That's spiritual strength right there. The way to keep from withering, the way to maintain your spiritual strength is very simple. It's not about some 12-step program that you need to complete. It's not about having yourself the best system of spiritual discipline ever. Those spiritual disciplines are highly advisable. But here's what it's about. Abiding in Christ. If you want to stay spiritually strong, remind yourself every single day just how much you need Jesus... And then live that day in dependence on Him. Abide in Christ. And His life will flow in you. And His life will sustain you. A branch that is abiding in the vine doesn't fear the storm. And it doesn't fear the drought. Because it knows the vine's going to take care of me. Now can you, can you imagine if a branch could talk? Sometimes we have in summer here in Georgia, we have extended times of drought. I remember a number of years ago, we had pretty severe drought. Uh, just about all the grass died off. And I mean, it was weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of hot weather and no rain. You can, you can imagine if a branch could talk going through a time like that. There it is, 40 feet up in the air. What might it be tempted to worry about? Oh, how am I going to get some water? I'm getting awfully thirsty up here. I'm going to have to do something. Uh, it's getting hot. Suppose that branch decided, you know what, this, I'm, I'm getting too hot up here. I'm not going to be able to, I'm not going to last much longer. You know what I'm going to do? I'm, going to, I'm just going to go ahead and separate from the tree and I'm going to fall to the ground and get the water myself. What would happen to that branch? It would completely wither. Because whose job is it to get water to the branch? The job of the vine. And it's just the job of the branch to stay connected. You understand this morning... How important your relationship with Christ really is. It's not just a part of your Christian life. It is your Christian life. 
Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. You understand? God wants you to flourish. But if you wander from him, you will wither. If you want to avoid the withering and the fragileness of spirit, then don't wander from the vine. Number three, the danger of wasting. I've seen the danger of wandering, the danger of withering, and finally the danger of wasting. What's the end result of a wandering branch who withers? Jesus said, that that branch will be gathered up with all the other debris and burnt. You know, some fires are actually pretty useful. Some of us, we have fireplaces, and in the wintertime, when we can, we'll burn a fire to keep the house warm or, or just for the sake of having a fire because we like the look of it, you know. That's useful. Some people cook uh, their food over fire, charcoal, and different things like that. But, you know, that kind of a fire usually used seasoned hardwoods and charcoal, different things like that. Not dead branches that you just pick up out of the yard. You might use that to start the fire. But most of that trash that you pick up from the yard, what do you do? You just pile it up and you burn it. But not between May and September because we have a burn man, right? Okay. And that's the kind of burning that this Jesus is talking about here. They're just gathered up with all the debris and burnt. It's useless. You're not, you may enjoy that bonfire for a few minutes, but you're not going to cook on it probably. You're not going to heat your house with it. You know, a blacksmith is not going to just gather a bunch of dead branches and use them in his forge. It's, it's a pointless end. It is a wasted end. That's what Jesus is warning about here. Not warning about death and hell, but warning that a branch who doesn't abide will wither and its potential will be wasted. It'll come to a worthless end. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. In this passage, Paul discusses how the works of a Christian are to be tried at the judgment seat of Christ. He says that some works are like gold, silver, and precious stone. And others are like wood, hay, and stubble. Dry branches would fall in that last category. And Paul says that all of our works are going to be tried by fire. Look at verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 3. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. What's Paul saying here is when you get to the judgment seat of Christ, that is not the time where God's going to determine whether or not you're saved. That determination is made in this life. When you choose to trust Christ as your Savior, your eternal destiny is sealed forever. This judgment is to determine the quality of the works of your life. What did you do for God with your life? Were you fruitful 
Did you allow the life of Christ to flow through you and produce in you those characteristics, those attitudes, and those actions that God wants to be in your life? Or did you live selfishly and independently and waste your life living for pleasure, living for pride, living for yourself? If that's the kind of life that you've lived, then you will watch as your works burn up like a pile of wood, hay, and stubble. And what will be left is nothing but ashes. You will suffer loss. That's what the Bible says. You'll be saved, but your life will have been wasted. Wasting your life is really very selfish. Not only because you're living for yourself when you do that, but because you are disregarding how much you owe to God. What do you owe God? The answer is everything. Therefore, what should you give God? Everything. That's why you should present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It only makes sense. After what God has done for you, you should give God your all. That's the only thing that makes sense. It's a reasonable service. The danger of wasting. Now, is there any hope for a branch that has wandered and is withering? Or is this just the automatic end? Oops, I wandered and I'm started to wither, I'm done. No, thankfully that's not the automatic end. It's not inevitable that the rest of our life will be wasted because we made a mistake or because we have wandered for a time. Just because we may wander a little bit, that doesn't mean that we just throw in the towel and say, well, I messed up, I'll just live for myself the rest of my time. No, there is still hope. We can be restored to right fellowship with God. We can respond to the chastening with repentance and reconciliation. And we can enjoy the peaceable fruits of righteousness that Hebrews 12.11 talks about. And God in His grace and His mercy can even give back to us some of the things that we might have lost during our time of wandering. I like these verses from Joel Joel chapter 2, verse 23, Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. And the floors shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. God says, I will not only return you back to the place of fruitfulness, I will restore to you things that you lost during your wandering. God doesn't have to do that. You understand that this morning? That is only because He is gracious and merciful. God has every right to say to you or me when we wander, okay, you've wandered that's the path you've chosen. I'm going to let you go that path the rest of your life. You're still saved, but the rest of your life is wasted. God could do that, but He doesn't. He doesn't. God says, return, repent, be reconciled. Let's get back in right fellowship, and you'll enjoy the blessings of fruitfulness again. And I'll even bless you further to give back things that you might have lost. 
So no, a wasted life is not the inevitable end of a wandering branch. But to avoid that end, that branch must go back to abiding in Christ. Are you abiding in Christ? Do you think often about how much you need Him? Are you living in continual, close fellowship with Him? Or have you wandered from Him? When you read the Bible, how would you describe it? Dry? Dusty? A chore to get through? Or do you find this to be a living book? And that as you read it, you're not just reading words on the page, but you are having a conversation with its author. How's your prayer life? When you pray, is it dry? Is it dusty? Is it just the duty that you do because you know you should do it? Or is it alive? Do you really understand as you're praying that the God of heaven is listening to you and every word you speak is coming into his ear and that he wants to hear you and he wants to answer your prayers. As you go throughout your day and you're faced with many temptations and challenges, how well do you hold up? Do you break under the pressure? Are you able by the grace of God to bear up under that? Because you have the life of Christ in you, strengthening you and helping you. Have you wandered from Him today? Are you experiencing the dryness and the fragility of spirit that comes as you wither apart from Him? Repent. Repent of your selfishness, your independence, your self-righteousness, and turn back to Christ. And He will revive your soul. There's a type of plant, it's called a revival fern. I love it. It's, it's such a great illustration of a Christian life sometimes. This fern, if it goes for a period of time without water, will wither and shrink and curl up and turn brown and become crunchy. And literally, if, if you saw it on somebody's porch, you would say, you just need to chuck that thing, it's dead. But this particular fern, God has created it with a unique ability to endure a whole lot of stress and still survive. And if you come along and you give that revival fern some water and a little bit of time, what will happen is it will green back up. Its leaves will flesh back out. It'll stand up straight. It won't be cry, dry and crunchy and break easily. It'll be soft and supple and strong once again. And you know what? It'll be something that's a pleasure to look at. You know, some people, they, they have this idea of revival that it's only something that happens when there's a huge congregation of people and there's a lot of emotion and there's all of these you know, uh, different, amazing, specific things coming out of it. That's a revival, you know. But let me tell you something. The kind of revival that God is most concerned about is the revival of your own heart today. Are you dry? Are you withering? Come back to Christ and let His life flow through you 
and you'll find that strength restored.